Peter understood the church more than just about anyone else. After all, it was to Peter that Jesus revealed his plan to build the church. When he asked, Who do people say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is a family of men, women, and children who have been saved to serve God. Peter tells all believers to love one another by showing hospitality and says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. And we do this in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You are not an owner of your talents and gifts. They belong to God. Are you using your gifts to bless the family of God and all the people in your life? Well, welcome everyone online again this week, the last week until we can meet again in person. So thanks for joining us here today. You know, it's really hard to believe that we are at the end of January already, January 30. February 1, just a couple days away. It's, uh, it's pretty hard to believe. And as Perrin mentioned, Pastor Allen is back next week. He uh, is going to be starting a brand new series on the book of Philippians. So we certainly do really look forward to hearing that. And we look forward to uh, getting together with all of you. We hope that you can join us here again in person. And uh, it's going to be great. It's so uh, empty in here just speaking to the camera. So great to have everybody uh, join us here or something, Greg? Having some problems? Okay. All right. Now I've got to use all my hands and my feet here to do everything this morning. So we'll see if we can make this work. Well, I've uh, really appreciated hearing everybody speak the last few weeks on stewardship. It's been great to have uh, different perspectives on the different things that have been shared. And we're hearing what uh, Jesus Christ is telling us in his word regarding using our time, using our treasure, our belongings, our finances, our possessions, and how we can use them wisely, you know, really taking good care of them and use them to further God's kingdom here on earth. As a serious Christ follower, we want to hear the words, as we've heard before, the wonderful wonderful words that have been spoken by the Master in the uh, parable in Matthew 25. It says, well done, good and faithful service servant. This is what we want to hear uh, from our master. And, you know, what? speaking of being a servant today, we're talking about using our talents, using our personal giftings, our skills, our abilities to serve God and to serve others. But first of all, now this is going to be kind of awkward for me trying to tell some uh, comical uh, announcement bloopers that uh, I've read about uh, promoting people who are serving in the church. It's kind of awkward telling jokes in, in front of nobody, but we'll give it a shot, and hopefully you laugh at home, and I'll laugh here as well to myself, I guess. But um, anyway, I just got a few I want to share. So the first one, this poor lady, her name is, um, here we go, Bertha Belch. She's a missionary from Africa. We'll be sharing at the next Sunday evening service. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. 
Well, poor Bertha. She, I'm sure she gets that a lot. But how about this one? How not to use your talents at church. Come to our midweek care group and don't let worry strangle you. Let the church help. Not what I think they were trying to say exactly, and I can guarantee you that's not going to happen here at Cross Church, so don't be afraid to join us here. All right, an awkward one. The Peacemakers Club meeting that was scheduled for today has been cancelled due to a conflict. Well, that certainly is ironic and unfortunate. And I can't forget about the music department, so the last one here says, The Thursday night Bible study will discuss how to endure suffering, and make sure to come early and listen to our choir practice. All right. Well, anyway, those are indeed uh, written by some special servants who wrote those announcements. But getting back to stewardship, and we read this last line here. It says, it's not our treasure to bury. And we, of course, read that in the well-known story, the parable in the Bible that Jesus taught. And all through his life on earth, Jesus was teaching us. And in reading the Gospels, we see that Jesus teaches us first and foremost by using parables. And in some of his parables, he, re he references uh, kings and kingdoms. And of course, we read through the entire Bible uh, about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and of course, King Jesus. So here in Canada, uh, this notion of a king or a kingdom isn't really that familiar to us much anymore, even though we are technically part of the British Commonwealth. But here in 2022, this idea of being under the rule or the reign of a king, of a queen, a royalty. This isn't something we really talk about much at all. We don't think of ourselves as royal subjects. But an interesting fact that all citizens of the Commonwealth are referred to as British royal subjects. And even in Canada, up until 1983, that's what we were called. But this term subject, a royal subject, is referring to someone who is under the authority of or has given their allegiance uh, to a monarch, a king, or a queen. A royal subject is someone governed by the king's laws, who lives in the king's territory, enjoys the king's protection. And a genuine, dedicated royal subject is someone who is a subordinate or a true follower. Uh, they can even be described as a servant or even a slave. And you know what? We are all subjects or slaves to something, aren't we? Romans 6.17 says we are slaves to sin. Or if we are saved, we used to be slaves to sin. Now as Christians, we are saved and slaves to Jesus Christ. We are part of his kingdom. And in God's kingdom, he calls his royal subjects his children. So what does it mean to live under the lordship of King Jesus? How do we live as loyal, royal subjects in God's kingdom under King Jesus? So we have gone through this series to really help each of us understand in a deeper way what it means for us, what it means to follow Christ and become more like him, to allow the Holy Spirit to continually be transforming us and again, making us more like Jesus. And, and when I say we, I am talking specifically about those of us who call ourselves Christians, people who know that they are converted, who are a serious Christ follower, people who are not just living in the kingdom but want to serve their king, they want to be dedicated subjects. You're not just wanting to be a good person. Think if I go to church a little bit, or maybe if I have a Bible or two in my home, if I put a few dollars in the offering, and hey, I can even get a tax receipt for that. Or you go to church to make others think you're a good person, or you're trying to keep up the family tradition. This, of course, is not what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
I just want to share a little story with you as we as we move on here. So my son, Michael, he doesn't know I'm going to share this story. He's helping with the lights here this morning. So um, he, he'll be surprised. Hope I don't embarrass him too much. But uh, for the first time, he joined a football team this past September. And he couldn't play the year of, uh, before, of course, because COVID, the, the whole season was was shut down. But when school started this past September, Michael, now in grade 10, he really, really wanted to play. He wanted... To, uh, he was determined he really wanted to play on the football team this year. So he signed up, went to the first meeting, and I remember he came home and he showed us what he had received. So the coaches has gi- had given everyone who signed up a free T-shirt. And I remember we all kind of laughed because on the shirt it said, 2020 is our year. But they had crossed off uh, 2020 and put 2021. <laughs> so anyway, it was uh, kind of comical. But as the season began, uh, Michael started to attend all the different practices. And he was excited. He was thrilled to get his own jersey, his own number, number 55. And you know, it seemed kind of surreal, actually. But the practices started right after school from about 3.30 to 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And, and he went really faithfully. He was there on time. Uh, he left even late if he could. He even made a habit of being the first one back to the locker room to hold the door open for the rest of the team and the coaches. Now, because of COVID uh, was still affecting life, of course, in the fall, Michael thought, and I think the coaches thought, that not many guys were going to try out. But actually, the tryouts were way bigger than they had been for a number of years previously, the coach was telling me. There were a lot of guys who were trying out. Many newbies like Michael, uh, a number of veterans from grades 11 and 12, and I went to watch the very first practice, the, 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 the end of the first practice I could make it for. And you know what? Some of those guys that were there, wow, a lot of them were really fast, lots of really big guys. You know, some of them just, uh, just massive, really strong. Uh, they seemed to really have a lot of talent that was trying out for the team, for the roster. And I, I was wondering, well, where's Michael going to fit on the team here? But as the days And the first few weeks went by, and as the practices started to add up, many of those guys who had initially signed up, well, they stopped showing up, or they would only come once in a while. But Michael, he kept going. He kept uh, listening to the coaches, kept working hard, uh, doing whatever he was asked. Uh, They had him playing defensive line. They had him playing linebacker. They had him playing on the offensive line, not at the same time, of course. (laughs) But after a few weeks, uh, now I can't remember exactly how this happened, but after a few weeks of practice, Michael gets home, and he's got some news for us. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, because of his dedication, because of his desire to be there and to give his all, because he really, really wanted to be on the team, and he really showed it, and the coaches obviously saw some ability in him too. Michael was given, in his very first year, amidst all those guys that tried out, he was given and named the starter on the offensive line as the starting center. Now, of course, I'm a very proud dad, but you know what? He really did earn it. He kept working hard. He continued to be faithful, getting to practice on time, and just showing the coaches that, that he really, really wanted to be there. You know, others, as I mentioned before, came late, uh, didn't tell the coach they were going to be there, or they just plain didn't even show up. Well, of course, they were eventually dropped from the team completely or spent the season, you know, really complaining why they had to sit on the bench the whole time, why they couldn't have a starting role. These guys were only in it half-heartedly or, or, or not at all. You know, it really was a shame because some of them had great talent. They were really speedy, really strong, really big. But to the coach, that didn't matter. 
he only saw their lack of effort, their lack of dedication to the team, their lack of passion. They obviously didn't really respect the coach and their teammates. I guess they only thought they could use their time better doing something else, doing their own thing. You know, they missed out on playing that season, and I'm guessing for the season coming up as well. Their passion was not there. They missed out on the fun. They missed out on the playoffs. And yes, the coach probably won't have them back with that kind of an attitude. You know, sadly, uh, I think these guys, I'm, I'm pretty sure they never thought in their own minds, never even considered that they were wasting their talents and, and all the benefits of being on the team. I'm sure they didn't consider um, they were potentially letting down their teammates, letting down their coach. You know, I bet that 100% they thought they were doing something better, and they probably had no regrets. They thought they were actually making better use of their time and their talents doing other things. But from the coach's perspective, I know that he was upset that they were wasting their talents, being foolish and making bad choices. Now, I know I'm just talking about a game here. I'm just talking about football. Does this story resonate with you? It sure does with me. I'm afraid too many Christians act this same way, or sadly, even worse. You see, in football, you can get cut. You can be told very bluntly that you're not going to be on the team anymore. You need to return your helmet or your jersey. You need to clean out your locker. It's over. You're done. It really is painful for me to see many Christians who have a similar attitude or similar behavior to those guys who didn't show up much or didn't put the team first. The difference is actually that many Christians still actually think that the coach is just fine with their performance. They think they are maybe even still on the team or at the very least some Christians are just okay riding the bench. No need to improve. No need to be more committed. They give some time. Maybe they give a little bit of treasure. Maybe they give some of their talent. And, and they think they're good. They actually think they're okay. Well, the third servant in the parable we read in Matthew 25, the master gave him a sum of money to invest and to use wisely. And we all know that he chose to bury it, not to use it. He chose to basically coast along. And in Matthew 25, verse 24, the servant actually I think he thinks he's done okay. He thought he was actually being kind of loyal, kind of uh, an okay subject to the king, to the master. And this is what he said. He said, here, master, here's what you gave me. I hid your money in the earth, and here it is back. Nothing's missing. It's all here. But boy, was he wrong. And we read in Matthew 25, 26 to 30, and this is from the message. And, and listen to this. The servant who thought he did, you know, he was doing okay, he learned it was anything but okay. And so let God speak to you as I read this. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live, he said. It's criminal to live like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take this money and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play-it-safe, lazy servant. Throw him out into utter darkness. 
this is something I hope every one of us, including myself, really take to heart. And you know what? Don't judge yourself. Ask God to show you. God, am I living my life in a way that pleases you? Am I doing what you want, not just what I think you are okay with? What areas of my life, to put it bluntly, am I lying to myself about? Am I investing what you have given to me in a good way? Romans 6.22, it says now, and it's talking to us as Christians, as someone who has truly come under the ruling authority of King Jesus, someone who is truly submitted to him, someone who is a committed, loyal, royal subject of God's kingdom. It says now you do these things that lead to holiness. So how do we live as these royal subjects in God's kingdom under King Jesus? What are the things that lead to holiness? Well, you know what? There's an old marketing term called top-of-mind awareness, TOMA. It means what brands come to your mind when you're thinking about certain kinds of items or, or services. Well, you know what? Every single day, we need to be thinking, have top-of-mind these questions. God, how do you want me to live today as a royal subject in your kingdom? What are the things that lead to holiness? 1 Peter 4 7 to 11, we read about how we need to be looking at our lives, always being aware that the master, he is going to come back and that he's coming back soon. And we never should forget that. And we need to be using our talents, our skills, our abilities that God has given us in the best way we can to please him. So here we read 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, he writes, the end of the world is coming soon. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. And most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to cheerfully give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless. Be generous with the different things God has given you, your spiritual talents and abilities that have been graciously given to you by God. Use them well to serve others so all benefit from them. Now listen to this. Are you called to help others? Yes. Well, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything forever. Wow, what a great, great passage. Let those be top-of-mind thoughts for us each and every day those things that lead to holiness. The end is near. Do not take your time for granted. Don't waste it. Don't bury it. Love each other as if your life depended on it. Be generous with your time and abilities and your talents that God has given you. Don't bury them. Help others with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Don't bury it. God wants us to honor him with these gifts. He wants us to be good and faithful servants with our talents. And let's not miss the point here that, again, as it says, that these talents and abilities have been given to us by God himself. Psalm 24 reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So all that we have, all our time, all that we are talented at, whatever abilities we have, they all come from God. Ephesians 2.10, it is God himself who has made us what we are, and he has given us new lives 
from Christ Jesus. And listen to this. And long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. God's plan from the very beginning, before we were even born, was that we would help others, that we would bless others. Think about it this way. God doesn't give us anything just for our own benefit. God says we are blessed to be a blessing, just as God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2. And the great benefit of us all blessing each other is that God made us all different. We don't just bless each other with the same talents and abilities. Imagine if every one of us were, were singers like the choir I mentioned earlier. Well, maybe not that choir, but... But imagine if Dr. Shane, for example, was a great singer. And hey, Dr. Shane is a good singer, so I'm not making fun of him here. But what I'm saying is imagine if Dr. Shane's talent was the same, we all had the same talent, and we were all great singers. What would we do if we had a broken arm or a broken leg? I don't think Dr. Shane's singing to us for a long time would be of much comfort. Speaking of arms and legs, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul calls the family of God the body of Christ. And he describes how, as the body, we are in a way like a human body. The body has muscles, it has bones, it has organs, and all of these parts function in a way that make it work in an amazing fashion. And from verse 12 and on, it reads, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? No. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Of course not. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are all part of his body, part of the family. And as we read Ephesians 5, Jesus Christ is, of course, he is the head of the body. He is in control. Ephesians 1.22 says that God has put all things under his feet, the feet of Jesus, and made him the supreme head of the church. Christ is in charge of the church. It's his body. He even gave his very life for it. He purchased us with his blood by dying on the cross and taking all our sin on him. And he rose again. He loves us. He wants to be our savior. As members of this family of God, when we accept Christ, when we make him the Lord and savior of our life, and we are part of the body of Christ, we have the privilege of now partnering with him. Every member of the family of God is different. We each have a role to play to make the church function. Each one of us is unique, but together, we make the body complete. We function as a body when we use our talents and our abilities to care for each other. So God makes us all different to bless others. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, he encourages us to live in a way that Jesus wants us to live, and he encourages us to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is what he writes. Is there such thing as Christians cheering each other up? Yes. 
Well, do you love me enough to want to help me? Yes. Does it mean anything to you that we are brothers in the Lord, sharing the same spirit? Yes. Are your hearts tender and are they sympathetic at all? Yes. Then he writes, make me truly happy by loving each other and agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, working together with one heart, one mind, and one purpose. Please don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. And think of others as better than yourself. Don't just think about your own affairs. Don't just think about your own family. Don't just think that I'm in school. Don't just think I'm retired. Be interested in others and in what they are doing. And he finishes off by telling us, as the body of Christ, your attitude should be the same as was shown to us by Jesus Christ. As part of, the, part of the body of Christ, as we bless others, we also glorify God. Now, Pastor Allen has mentioned this many times, and I know Barry even mentioned it in the second week in this series when he was talking about how our time is God's. The question was asked, what is the purpose of man? And the answer is, the purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Revelation 4, 11, Worthy are you, Lord, our Lord God, to receive all the glory and all the honor and all the power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and they were created. So I want you to read this line and let, let God speak to you. God wants to use your unique role in the body of Christ to bless others and to glorify him. Do not bury what talents and abilities God has given you. They are not yours in the first place. So if God made you handy, help others with your talents. Don't bemoan the fact that people ask you for help. Be willing to help others. Let people even know that you're willing to help them. Or maybe with your 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 maybe you're great with kids. You know what? Pastor Joel is probably standing by right now on the phone waiting for your call because there's always a need for people to step up and bless children with their time and talents in the kingdom for kids here at Cross Church. Don't bury your talents. Now, maybe you're thinking, I don't have talents that I can use at church or my skills. I'm not sure how to use them to help. You know what? Beyond talent and skill, we all have ability the ability to do something. My mom is 88 years old. She's going to be 89 this year. I can't, can't hardly believe it. She's been involved in church all of her life. She sang in the choir, uh, not the choir I mentioned earlier. <laughs> uh, she helped in Sunday school. Uh, every summer, I remember every summer, she helped out at Calvary Temple Youth Camp out as a cook. For many years, she did that. She hosted her small group. She uh, made lunches and meals for people. And as she's getting older, um, her ability to do a lot of these things is not quite there anymore. But you know what? That doesn't mean she's stopped in any way from using her time and her talents and her abilities to bless others and glorify God. She loves calling people. She's on the phone all the time. She prays for people. She encourages them. And I'm serious. I can't even begin to tell you the stories 
of how God has used, used her over the phone. She has led people to Christ. And you know what? She even has got into using what she calls her, her texter machine. She sits there and she texts people. She, she, she loves connecting with people any way she can. And you know what? One of her favorite ministries, I'll, I'll call it a ministry, is she, besides being on the phone or, or texting people now, she loves sending out cards. You know, how, how many people do that anymore? It's becoming more and more rare to get a card or a letter in the mail, isn't it? But it truly is a blessing to get a handwritten card or a letter from someone. I'm sure we would all agree with that. But my mom does this faithfully. Birthdays, anniversaries, somebody's in the hospital, sympathy cards, Easter, Thanksgiving, you know, just pretty much any time of the year, she's sending out cards. And of course, at Christmas, she sends so many cards at Christmas, it is nuts. But guess what? She gets inundated with cards being sent back to her. Her little apartment has cards everywhere at Christmas time. She is loved and appreciated by many, many people because she loves them. She cares for them and she blesses them. Ask God, what is it that I can do to be a blessing? God can use you. Make yourself available. Stop saying there's nothing I can do or I'm too busy. Desire to bless others and glorify God and he will give you a way to do just that. Maybe you're strong and can help someone who's moving. You know, let me know or, or let Ryan Smith know if you're willing to do that. Ryan is always helping people move as there's always somebody needs a hand moving. Or maybe you have a van or a truck. Uh, let me know. Don't bury your treasure because you know what? Your truck belongs to God too. I don't know how many people I've helped move over the years. I've brought Lauren along, brought Michael along, even, even little Sam a little bit. And I love watching them learn to serve in whatever way is needed, uh, even carrying a lamp. And parents, when you serve, when you use your talents to bless others, it blesses your children in the sense that they learn the value of serving and blessing others as well. It's ironic, I think, that a lot of cases these days, and I guess maybe it's always been this way, but some parents think spending time with their family is the most important. It's more important than helping at church, more than helping others, blessing others. And, and don't get me wrong, it's very important to have a strong relationship with your children, to have a strong family life. But with God's wisdom, we can learn to take care of our family and to bless others. What is most important is not doing your will or what you think is right. But the most important thing you can do is God's will for your life. Jesus said in John 6:38, the reason he came to earth was strictly to do the will of God, not his own will. This needs to be our prayer too. So parents, be an example to your kids. Do God's will. This will set them up to follow God for following your example. Bring them along. Involve them. Maybe it's going to mean some sacrifice, but I'll tell you this. Just like my mom, when you serve others and you bless others, your family is going to grow. You develop relationships with other people. You develop a heart for other people. And it's reciprocal. Others will care for you and have a heart for you. One personal example is when my family uh, left Calgary. We moved just outside of Edmonton a number of years ago. We didn't know anybody in this particular area, and we were looking for a church to attend. And after a few weeks, God clearly told us the church close to our house was where we should go. 
And the pastor, he was brand new there. He actually had just moved from Calgary as well. Didn't know him, but he had moved from Calgary, become the lead pastor. And they had a new music pastor as well. And a number of the other staff had been there for quite a few years. But anyway, I was starting a new position, and Charlene was occupied getting the house in order and helping Michael and Lauren. Sam wasn't born yet. Helping them get settled into their new school. And I remember clearly we said to each other, you know, with all that's happening in our lives right now, uh, let's not get involved in church right away. Let's wait at least till maybe early in the, in the new year uh, once we kind of get things more settled and we'll see where we can go from there and where we can potentially fit in. Well, it wasn't a week or two later that we had been attending that the mu- new music pastor, he gets up and he announces, we are desperate for some musicians If there's anyone who can play or sing, please let me know. We could really use you on the team. And I remember looking at Charlene, and we both said, well, what can we say to that? We can't ignore their call for help. We both love music and have been involved for a number of years, and I guess God has other plans, of course. So, uh, so much for waiting till next year to get involved. So we approached Pastor John after the service and let him know that we were willing to serve if he wanted us. And we began serving shortly after on the team, and we served there almost weekly from then on. And you know what we did with our kids? (laughs) We brought them along. They came to rehearsal. They sat there in the front when we were worshiping on the team. On top of that, in the next week or two, we read in the bulletin a desperate plea for help for ladies to help on the Tuesday afternoon kids program at church. So once again, Charlene looked at me, and this time we kind of laughed and said, well, here we go again. Uh, How can we ignore this? Charlene got involved completely, becoming an integral part of the team there. And then it was just over one year later that we knew God was calling us back here to Winnipeg. But I have to tell you that leaving that church even only one year into it was way harder than I ever expected. We grew to love those people. And I know they grew to love my family as well. I remember on our last Sunday, and again, it was only one year that we had been there. On our last Sunday, the pastor, out of the blue, he calls Charlene and I up to the front, and he publicly thanks us for our help. He thanks us for serving at the church and blessing others. And he said, we became like family in such a short amount of time. And then he turned to the congregation, he said to them, this is a perfect example of what serving God can do, what blessing others can do. Serving doesn't just fill a role. It changes us. It creates family. It builds up the body of Christ. It blesses others. And it glorifies God. And in glorifying God, it causes others to glorify God. We read in 2 Corinthians 9, this service that you perform, it is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of your faithful service to bless others and glorify God, others will praise God too. And in their prayers to you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Jesus gives us two commands, doesn't he? The greatest commands in Matthew 22, to love the Lord God with our all and to love others as we love ourselves. And when we steward our talents to honor him and to bless others, we're doing just that. Do not bury your treasure, your time, your talents. Use them to bless others and glorify God. 
Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working to the Lord, not to human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So for you and I, how are we blessing others and serving the Lord Jesus Christ, glorifying God? What are we to do as a citizen, a servant of the kingdom of heaven? How do we sum up what it means to be a loyal, royal subject of King Jesus? We are stewards. We serve the master and we fulfill his will and with what he has given us. We don't do what we want to do anymore. With the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit as we grow as a Christian, we want to do and pursue God and his whole will wholeheartedly. We want to love and obey him with everything we have and all that we are because it all comes from God. We have received everything from him, so it's really all his. So we praise and we glorify him with our time, our talents, our treasure, with all of our influence and all our responsibilities and all our relationships. We filter it all through the desire to bless others. And as you've heard before, as Christians, our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is what, as a Christian, as serious Christ follower, this is what it means to be a good steward. You are managing all you have and all you are and all you do in relation to Jesus Christ and your relationship to him. We are responsible as serious Christ followers to maintain and wisely use the gifts and blessings that God has so graciously given to us. And we need to remember the master is going to return. Jesus one day is coming back. So while we are on this earth, we need to be using what God has given us for his goodwill. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 that as long as he's alive, he will use his life for useful and productive service for God. God wants all of us to partner with him in the great work of growing the kingdom. Our king wants us to use our time, talents, treasure to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Just as in the parable, the man in charge of those servants returned to get an account of what they did. And Jesus is describing a day of judgment when he will ask us to give an account, when each of us will have to give a report to the king. What did we do with what he gave us? What did we do with our gifts while we were here on this earth? That's a stark warning for us. We need to take this seriously. And you know what? The good news is that if you are a serious Christ follower, if you are a good steward, if you are desiring to bless others and glorify God with your life, if you are desiring to do his will above all else, we can actually look forward to this day because if we are faithful, if we are good stewards, like the first two servants, we can actually look forward to the master saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope that's your prayer. That's my prayer for you. And I hope 2022, in not just this year ahead, but even right now, even after this message is finished, that you would take a, the time to ask God to show you, what is it that I need to do, Lord? Am I fulfilling your will? Am I using my talents to the best of my ability to please you? 
And um, God will guide and direct you if you're looking for opportunity to use that. And he can use you. And the family of Christ needs you. They need, the family of God needs you to use your talents, your time, and your treasure to grow his kingdom and to bless others and to glorify God. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to take away our sins, Lord, to be our Savior and our Lord. And God, as members of your family, as subjects of your royal kingdom, God, we want to serve you. We want to bless you. We want to bless others. We want to be used by you. God, help none of us to bury our talents, our time, and our treasure. I pray even, Father, that even after um, the TV is turned off today, instead of just going on with our day, that we would each take a moment to ask you, God, am I using what you've given to me in a way that pleases you? What is it that I can do, Lord, to take a step forward in my relationship to you, to be using what you've given to me to bless others and to glorify your name and to see the kingdom grow and to impact people's lives with the gospel message of Jesus Christ? God, I pray for everyone that they would take this seriously and desire to be used by you. And so I pray a blessing upon everyone right now. And Lord, please speak to our hearts. Use us. And uh, may we just be honored and humbled by the opportunity to be partners with you in your kingdom. And I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for joining us here.